Hello and welcome to Hardcover Hose, a long-distance book club where two book lovers express their feelings on their book of the moment via podcast. I am one half of your host, Sam Dixon. And I am Sammy Scorstead. Together we have combed through book talk, combined our to-be-read lists, and now we intend to make our way through them one book at a time. We'd love for you to come along with us and join the discussion. The books of the moment for today's episode are If You Come Softly and Behind You by Jacqueline Woodson. Just a forewarning to those of you listening, this is not a spoiler-free zone. We will be discussing this book in all of its glory, which of course includes revealing the ending. The author of If You Come Softly and Behind You, Jacqueline Woodson, is an American writer of books for children and adolescents. She is best known for Miracle's Boys and her Newbery honor-winning titles Brown Girl Dreaming, After Tupac and Dee Foster, Feathers, and Show Way. After serving as the Young People's Poet Laureate from... 2015 to 2017, she was named the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature by the Library of Congress for 2018 to 2019. She was named a MacArthur Fellow in 2020. Before we jump into discussing our own thoughts and feelings regarding these books, I'm going to go ahead and read the blurb on the back of If You Come Softly for the sake of contextualizing it. Quote, both Alicia, Ellie, and Jeremiah, Maya, attend Percy Academy, a private school where neither quite fits in. Ellie is wrestling with family demons, and Maya is one of the few African-American students. The two of them find each other and fall in love, but they are hesitant to share their newfound happiness with their friends and families who will not understand. At the end, life makes the brutal choice for them. Without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so I first read this book in like 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the first book club pick for john green and rosiana rojas uh book club thing (laughs) called life's library i don't i don't know why i forgot the word book club just now we're gonna ignore it um and i remember thinking oh this is like really short so i'm gonna take it with me on the plane when i was flying (laughs) back from new york to to san clemente for christmas um and i was like oh yeah i'll i'll read this on the plane and then i'll you know pick something back up for my way back uh, this, Rookie was the worst, this was the worst choice of a book to read on the plane. The two worst things to read on a plane are uh, smut that you didn't uh-huh. know was smut and something you didn't know was going to shatter your heart into a million pieces and make you sob next to strangers in the middle seat of a plane. Um, yep. And that's what happened to me. So, yeah. Uh, but what I didn't know was that there was a second one. Mm-hmm. So when we decided to put this one on our list and I went to go look it up, I was I saw on Goodreads that it is If You Come Softly 1. I was like, what do you mean 1? What? <laughs> so we found out that there's the second one behind you, which I thought um, we'll, we'll obviously talk a little more about it in a little bit. But I thought it was kind of a nice closure all these yes. years later. <laughs> I agree. I realized that there was a second one. Yeah. No, this, um, so I just finished Behind You, and I didn't, so I ended up not rereading If You Come Softly before this, um, because I actually gave my copy of the book away, and I ran out of credits on Audible, and so I was like, okay, do I buy another copy of it, or, so I just went through, I kind of reviewed it, and then, like, honestly, Behind You was also a good, like, it brought it reminded me a lot of what happened in the first one um but I read this or I read if you come softly I think the beginning of 2021 I think so like maybe a year ago Mm -hmm. um and that shit I was (laughs) hurted that shit (laughs) hurted That shit hurted. Seriously. I was, I just remember sobbing, like laying in my bed, like just like limbs out, like just sobbing, (laughs) like fully surrendering and just like, I am broken from this. Oh my God. And the thing is, is this is a book that is deceiving, right? Like it's so short. That you're like, there's no way it's going to be sad. No. To the no. point where I'm going <laughs> to have an existential <laughs> crisis over it. No, it's like, no, how can I end, like, a hundred, how many pages is it? I'm looking. It's the first like, one is, there's a lot of questions in my 
181 pages. Okay. Not even it's 200 pages. Not even 200 pages. There's no way. How can an author possibly get me so attached to a story mm-hmm. and characters in such few pages that'll make me, like, kind of want to take a break from this earth just to recuperate, <laughs> you know? Like, that's just not possible. But it is possible if you're Jacqueline Woodson. So, yeah, literally. Um, I, I've read a lot of Jacqueline Woodson since uh, the first time I read If You Come Softly. And she, like, does this. This is her thing. She's very <laughs> good at, like, getting you stuck on a story and in it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a very short mat- ma- manner. What? <laughs> yeah. In my brain. Um, so I have a question for you because I'm – am I just dumb? Like <laughs> – um uh, I was rereading If You Come Softly. Okay. It is a Romeo and Juliet retelling. Yeah. I am dumb dumb. Like I didn't get that at all the first time I read it. Maybe I did and it's just been a few years and so I didn't know that. But when I went back to read it again, it made I, sense. Well, the first uh inside page Jacqueline Woodson has a preface to the anniversary edition mm-hmm. and it says 2 years ago I sat down to write a, ro- a retelling of Romeo and Juliet and I was like <gasps> Wait, wait a second. <laughs> you know what's funny is mm. I think I I think I maybe knew that at one point and then I forgot that it was. <laughs> and then so Daniel actually has my copy of this book because after I finished it, I was like, please, please go read this. And um and he so then I was like this whole like past week and a half, I had texted him like, Do you still have it? Um, like I think I'm like I'm thinking about maybe rereading it. And he goes, is that the Romeo and Juliet retelling? I'm dead. <laughs> and I was like, I sat there for a second. I was like, <laughs> is it? And then I was like, oh, yeah. It is a Romeo is, huh? and Juliet retelling. Yeah. Huh? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that was my, I guess my English teacher brain didn't work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, there's enough, like, because I think with this case, with, like, the whole where there's race and there's like those types of things keeping, you know, the, the family issues and stuff mm-hmm. contributing to the family issues and keeping a couple apart. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Romeo and Juliet type thing. Yeah. Also, I think like when I think Romeo and Juliet, I think I was thinking more like the families say exactly. that it can't happen. And this was like, I mean, her the family world. is kind of yeah. a dick, but yeah, his, his family. family was not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but so it's a YA love at first sight, meet cute over dropped books in the hallway yeah. uh, that just ends up tearing your soul out. And <laughs> I, I genuinely, I want to say for anybody listening to this, I think a lot of people who do listen, they have read the books. Yeah. But I want to say, like, more so, I feel like, than the other ones, other episodes. If you have not read this book, please mm. stop listening and just go read it. Yeah. Like, please. Like, it, Absolutely. It, it makes a mark on your soul <laughs> and it's worth it. And I mean, ju- like, you're going to cry. That's okay. It's it's good to cry. Um, yeah. But please, like, it's worth reading if you yeah. haven't read it. And this is not a book that's, like, big on book talk which i know we usually pick book talk books right or books that are popular i've seen it a few online. times but have you yeah. i've not seen it at all i've seen on... it comes softly yeah and I, I figured i would but who knows yeah. maybe it'll maybe 2022 is the year of the if he comes softly revival who knows so so the premise, yeah the premise of the story is they fall in love i love jacqueline woodson's writing style it's so because beautiful. the pacing in a short book is often bad, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this just isn't. Like, it, you feel the pacing so lyrically almost, like, mm-hmm. ha- as she transitions through different parts in their relationship and uh, the year or, mm-hmm. like, descriptions of seasons. So you're like, oh, okay, time has passed now. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I'm not into, like, fall in love and you're in – the deepest love of your life within two weeks kind of vibe so this is one of those things where it's like we understand there's a progression for ellie and jeremiah Mm -hmm. over the course of like a few months almost a year you know right um and they're very different people but they 
meet in the middle of having this general and genuine attraction to each other Mm -hmm. that is like this unbreakable bond which i love that like kind of trope in in any romance which i think makes this book like one more like it's easier to resonate with if that Mm -hmm. makes sense Mm -hmm. like this is two people who are like meant to be together yeah which is very much pushed on you the whole time you're reading the book which is why the end hurts so goddamn much (laughs) Mm -hmm. like they knew they were like this is it like you we are yeah everything you are my every like this is it for us you know yeah um Oh, God. And their love was just so pure. And, like, mm-hmm. the way that they understood each other and the way that they loved each other was just so wholesome. <sighs> and not really, like, what I guess you would find in 15-year-olds. Yeah. It's, like, like, deeper than that. It's very much true. Yeah. Just, like, powerful love. And... um Yep, so that makes the readers just really like, this is the best thing ever, and then it gets taken away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at the core of this book is the idea of race, and um, what year is this book set in? I was about to say it so confidently, it was, but I don't know. Like so the 90s? It, yeah, because it was published in 1998, so I okay. think it was like supposed to take place in modern time for when it was like published. Right. Yeah. So... We're in the 90s, let's assume, 80s or 90s or early 2000s, whichever you prefer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, it could be applicable to, like, it could happen today, yeah. too, yeah. the same way. The, yeah. the thing is, is they don't have, like, cell phones, I think, is the point that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oh, okay. lean into. Good point. Um, okay. They're, like, 15-year-olds who are running around New York City um, together, and at the time... It is like some people look down at them for being an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. And then some people are cool with it and don't, you know, bat, bat an eyelash about right. it. Um, but there, there is definitely a divide, especially, you know, they go to school on like the, I think it's implied that it's very close to Ellie's home, Percy yeah, Academy, s- which she lives on the upper west east side. side. Oh, west side, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Central Park West, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, so Ellie is, you know, this rich, but not rich, but, like, well-off mm-hmm. white kid, you know. And Jeremiah is the child of two extremely successful mm-hmm. and wealthy parents who are both black. Mm-hmm. His, his mother is an author, a best-selling author, and his dad is a director? A uh, movie producer. Movie producer. Yes. And so people have a way of looking at Jeremiah throughout the book in two different aspects, right? Either he's seen as a little black boy who makes trouble, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. one of the perspectives of this book. Or people know who he is or know who his parents are, rather, Mm -hmm. right? And are like, oh, he's, you know, what's his last name? Rosalind. 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 Oh, it was close. Rosalind. Yeah. <laughs> I knew Rose was Rose yeah. was in there, but now that makes a lot more sense because like a rose yeah. by any other name. Rose. Sorry. That's mm. is there a rose in Romeo and Juliet? No, but they Romeo's famous line is a rose by any other name doth sound oh. so sweet. Oh. I don't like you I, can, I always like what's in a last name. Like a, it Yeah. Their last names are so different, but Without the, if their last name was different, would it have the same meaning? Like, you, you get me? Yeah. Yeah. I always wish I could be a person who could like recite lines from books or poetry. And, um, cause I think that just makes people seem so smart and just cultured. <laughs> and I just, I'll never remember a line <laughs> word for word. I just can't. I always, like, when that happens in movies, I'm just, yeah. I'm like, that is the peak of like intellectual. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I'm like, you are the main character I want to be. But I, I just, <laughs> I'm just never going to be that person. Hey, it's, uh, it's, it's requires a lot of practice. I don't know. I don't know what to, to say. <laughs> it just seems so effortless for people. Like, do they actually sit around like, I'm going to memorize this line? Or can you actually just like call upon something you read once 
like in a conversation has to be repetition it has to be john green does this all the time he can just like quote books and i'm like how did you how did your brain do that yeah okay i don't know anyways um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so people either like when they know who his parents are they kind of are like oh shit he's he's that kid you know Mm -hmm. he's he's got you know famous parents and he's he's surely going to amount to something as well it's right. also the the pressure that's put on jeremiah and i think also so it's like when you look up this book and you see comments on it or what or like of what it's supposed to be about and it's like okay two kids who are very different and are like feel maybe alienated from their families or communities in some way so they're like two people who don't quite fit in and so they don't fit in together and they find like comfort in each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think too, which you kind of get with Kennedy, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe um, is like Maya, like he had his good friend, he had Carlton, he had his parents, but also like being a black kid who was really well off, like kind of the play or, like, the intersectionality of race and class mm-hmm. made him, like, set him apart from some of the other people from, like, Brooklyn uh, Tech. What was the academy he went to before? I think it was Brooklyn Tech. I think you were right. Um, yeah, so, like, the intersectionality of class and race. And so how, like, Jeremiah was a lot, you know, financially better off. And he, even though his dad left his mom at some point he still had both of his parents and all that so like also the kind of a conversation of he also felt or like some people within his community even um were like you're kind of also not like us even though you're black and there's also a conversation like carlton is mixed his mom is white and so he's like light skin and so even for him of like looking at even the shades of skin and looking at like, you're not like kind of like other books we've read of like, you're okay. You're black, but you're not black enough. And then you're in a white right. community and it's like, Oh, well you're black. And so just standing out and not quite fitting into one box. Right. And yeah. And then he meets Ellie and he feels like this is the box I was meant to be in. You know, yeah. like this is, this is our box now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I think Ellie her, I th- I think like a key point in the first book with Ellie is when she tells her older sister over the yeah, phone Anna. that she's met a guy and when she's describing him and stuff and she says he has locks and her sister's like, oh, I think it's kind of trashy when white guys have locks and da 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 da. And Ellie's like, like, well, he's black. Yeah. <laughs> so not trashy. She's like, right. It, just accurate. Um, And her sister's like, oh, Mm-hmm. And then they don't talk for a while. Right. And she's like, I just never pictured anybody in our family being with someone who was black. Yeah. And and I love Ellie's line where she says, like, well, why? I feel like you should need to do some self-reflection and think about that first. Especially because than... Anna is gay living in San Francisco. Yeah! And yeah. so I think, too, with Ellie was like, okay, so, like, my family is, like, liberal or whatever. But even though they're self-proclaimed liberals, like, feeling this, like, I can't bring him home. I'm worried about what my parents are going to say. I'm worried about my sister isn't even approving this. Like, the one I'm closest to who, you know, because she really isn't that close to her family. Her mom's left multiple times. Like, she has this, like, kind of trauma of abandonment. And so to have, like, the one person she really, like is closest to her sister who like she feels like maybe would be the one out of all of them to be accepting and she isn't is just like okay you say and they mention this a little bit in the second book they have kind of like this conversation of like do we want to talk about how I felt like you say you're not racist and I still felt like I couldn't bring him home to meet you guys right and then it was like we knew we were never going to talk about it. And yeah. So it was just uh, like, they both like didn't quite fit in elsewhere. And like, 
the thing is like they fit in their own box together but as soon as they were around other people or getting looks or anything like that it's like people were like trying to break into the box you know right. and right. that's why I really loved Nelia his mom yes and oh because they could go there and be okay there and be at his mom's house and his house and it was just like I don't know I loved his mom yeah his mom's really really great yeah I loved that like especially the scene in in behind you mm-hmm. where uh Ellie comes over Mm-hmm. And she goes to open up the blinds because it's really dark. Yeah. And then there's like the extra sunshine that comes in, and Ellie's saying how like, oh, she really loved Jeremiah the loved here. the light in here. Yeah. Oh my god, pain. Pain uh, uh. <laughs> without the S. Before I move on to discuss the rest of if you come softly and behind you, let's listen to a quick word about the brand sponsoring today's episode. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX is The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. All right, let's continue the conversation. So, uh, if you come softly... There's hints by like halfway through the book of Jeremiah's dad warning Jeremiah not to run in yeah. white neighborhoods yeah, uh, for obvious reasons. And um, when you hear that for the first time, you're kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this sounds like foreshadowing in a way I don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. Yep. So – by the end of the book, Ellie has met Jeremiah's mom, and Jeremiah is like, "I really want like when am I going to get to meet your parents? When am I going to get? When am I going to get to meet your family?" Right. And Ellie finally agrees, like, "Okay, you can come over for lunch tomorrow." Right. This is so he walks her home. He yeah. takes her home to from Brooklyn because they were at his house, right? Yeah, in Greenpoint. In Green, or I thought it was Fort Green. Is it Fort Green? One of the two, yeah. I My think bad. it's Fort Green. Um, lives in Brooklyn. <laughs> lives in Brooklyn. And he takes her all the way home to the Upper West Side. And they're cutting, or and he, they're like, okay, finally, tomorrow, you're going to come, you're going to meet my family. It's like, and doesn't he, she gives him her necklace. Her necklace, yeah. Um, which has been like a really grounding thing for her when she's like anxious and stuff or like thinking about things like that's a big comfort thing to her, I think. Yeah. And so that was like a really big show of like, I want, like you are a part of my life. I'm going to bring you into this realm of my life, I guess, I think. Right. Um, It's her star of David necklace. Um, and then, so it's this like kind of the readers are like, okay, this is amazing. Their relationship is progressing. Like, and he's so happy about this. He's so happy <laughs> on cloud nine. He takes off after and like, he drops her off and he starts running through central park. Like just happy as can be. Yeah. He's too excited to go home. He yes. doesn't want to hop on the train yet. He feels like he's so excited. He needs to run around. So he goes through central park and he's, uh, it's nighttime. And at the same moment and in the same part of the city, he doesn't know that there is a man who has, like, done a small robbery, some mm-hmm. thievery or something. Uh, and the only description is, like, tall black man. Yeah. Um, and so Jeremiah, even though he's 15, he's a basketball player. He's very tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though he's literally 15 and looks like a 15-year-old, right? From the back. Yeah, from the back, he apparently, to police officers, looks like the man that they're looking for. Yeah. And Jeremiah's really stuck in his head because he's so excited right now that when he's hearing them shout, like, stop or wait and things like that, he's like, I can't stop. I can't wait. You know, this is how his reflection is working in his head. Um, And then the next thing you know, he's described as feeling a warmth in his chest Mm. uh, because the police officers have shot him. Yeah. And he dies there. Cue your heart. Yeah. Breaking. And that's like essentially 
like the last time pretty much we see Jeremiah in If You Come Softly. Right. I think on like the way that that death was written in just such a like mm-hmm. there was it was such a weird thing because there was no like huge anticipate or like climax you know it was just mm-hmm. written kind of like nonchalantly and it, and then in that sense it just like it pierces you through the heart because it like takes a moment like oh my god you're like oh my no, god, no, no 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 what do you yeah. what do you mean no right. no yeah um yeah and we see next uh, you know, Ellie and everyone going to Jeremiah's funeral. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Ellie was invited was because Nelia invited her, mm-hmm. uh, like found her f- phone number in one of Jeremiah's journals with hearts next to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like how heartbreaking oh, no. is, is that? And that's why Ellie gets invited to the funeral. Um, and her parents come with her, which is interesting because you mm-hmm. see like this concept of, you know, she had all this worry that they wouldn't accept him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now they're at his funeral having never met him. Yeah. And, you know, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. That hurts real bad. Um, I have in my notes the last page, which I haven't read this book in like a week now. So I don't really remember what I meant by that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. The last lines are time comes to us softly, slowly. It sits beside us for a while. Then, long before we are ready, it moves on. Mm. I just love Jacqueline Woodson's writing. And this is so heartbreaking in a thousand ways. Mm. Um, So, you know, you read something like that and then you learn there's a second book. You're like, what could possibly happen in the second book? Um, But this book was truly, Behind You is truly a book about closure. Yes. Um, For everybody, including Jeremiah. His, Mm -hmm. like, spirit is kind of still tethered to where he was left. Um, And it's tethered to all of the people he feels like he left behind when he died. Who are still in pain missing him. Yes. Right. His mother has gone into this deep depression where Mm -hmm. she doesn't, you know, open her windows or clean her house or leave her house or change her clothes. Mm -hmm. And her dad has gone through all all of these, you know, stages of his dad, sorry, has gone through all of these stages of grief as well, where he's realizing, like, if he had just never fallen in love with the woman he left Nelia for, maybe, like, he would have been able to spend more time there or whatever. But he spent a lot of time. They live across the street. Yeah. His parents live across, like, across from each other. Right. Um, But there's a part of him that kind of, I feel like, almost was blaming himself throughout yeah. Behind you for not spending more time and moments with Jeremiah. Which I think is normal for Yeah. Like that is a I think a very um recognizable part of like the grief process. Mm-hmm. So especially for a parent and stuff, or like a parent with that was divorced or anything like that, is like I should have like there was lost time. I could have spent more time, you know. Right. And it was just oh. Yeah. And then we see Ellie, who's also, you know, having nightmares. She has a nightmare, mm-hmm. recurring nightmare that, of Jeremiah being shot and dying. And then we also have the perspectives of two of Jeremiah's friends, Kennedy from Percy Academy and Carlton mm-hmm. from his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, who, I, which I thought was interesting because I feel like we didn't really see a lot, a lot of Kennedy and Carlton in the first book. Right. But I think like the point was grief touches everyone. You know, I felt like the first book we got more Carlton than we did Kennedy. I think Carlton because <laughs> Carlton they had some like conversations about um, you know interracial relation mm-hmm. relationships, and it was like kind of well established that they had been friends, like they were best friends since right. they were like five or six. So I felt like Carlton was a little more expected than Kennedy. Um, yeah. yeah, but I liked having Kennedy's perspective because it was kind of like um like because ellie a big part or she was kind of trying to find bits and pieces of jeremiah wherever she could and so she went to the other black kid who played basketball at percy academy right and um and he was kind of like i didn't look anything like him i'm just black i'm just a black kid who played basketball and like for you to say oh you look like or you sound like jeremiah when you say that is like 
okay, when am I next? When is my, when is my time up? You know, and that's like, obviously really triggering for another like black kid, his age, or he was a little older. I think he was a senior. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. He was a senior. But um, yeah. And because like they weren't, they mentioned a lot in behind you that they weren't super close, but they were like, fine. It was like, yeah, we play on the same basketball team. They were like, respected each other, but they weren't really friends. Um, and I think that maybe the class aspect, um, played a role in that. Like, yeah, like Jeremiah, like Jeremiah was black, but he was also wealthy and that kind of, I think Kennedy maybe felt like that separated them. Um, yeah. yeah, perhaps also they had a very similar, but not the same experience in Percy Academy because they were like, what? Mm-hmm. Gaw- three there were like three or four black kids total in yeah. all of Percy Academy and most of them were on the basketball team. Right. Um and so I, I also recall him saying there was like a pressure on him after Jeremiah's death because now he's like the top scorer on the team and he's not as right. good as Maya was. But people yeah. look to him now as if like, oh you guys were basically the same. Yeah. You just replaced that role. Right. You yeah. they the the school lumps them together because they're the black kids amongst the white. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting to hear from Kennedy as well. I loved Carlton, I think, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I loved when the fact that, like, he's playing piano when Ellie is fe- visiting Nelia. And Nelia's like, oh, well, well why don't you go say hi? Him and, Carl- right. him and Jeremiah were best friends growing up, you know. And Ellie's like, yeah, I think I've met him like once or twice or whatever. And so he go, they go over and, oh, this, you know what um, that made me think of? Because Landslide Fleet, yeah. by Fleetwood Mac uh-huh. was mentioned quite a few times. And they put, um, Jacqueline Woods had put some of the lyrics in the book. Right. And I thought about Hank Green <laughs> and how his TikTok <laughs> about how he had to pay really hefty fines yeah. for putting lyrics in yeah. His books and I was like so I thought immediately like oh I wonder what fine Jacqueline Woodson yeah. had to pay for putting the lyrics in this book <laughs> but that um, that song is my parents first dance song at their oh, wedding too pretty. so I was kind of like oh yeah cry a little <laughs> <laughs> shed a tear um yeah I, I loved how like uh Carlton's character is developing in like uh, navigating through Jeremiah's loss you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved how his friendship with Ellie blossoms. Yeah. And how they start to go to cafes together and stuff. And he's like, here I fit in a little bit more. There's people of every kind sitting with people of every kind. Mm-hmm. And no one's batting an eyelash. And that's the first time he's able to admit to Ellie out loud that he's gay. And she's just like, I know. <laughs> yeah. Because before that, when she first went over, she was like, oh, do you have a girlfriend? And he was like, no, nah, it's just me. And she was like, or boyfriend. And yeah. he kind of was like, oh, um, and looked up at her and he was like, that didn't even phase her. Yeah, Like it, it wasn't even, and also for him, he was just kind of like, no, like not a boyfriend either, you know? And so I think that was like the first moment where he realized, okay, maybe I could be okay with this with her. Yeah, And then for her She's to say that. it. Yeah, she normalized it. Like, that was okay. That wasn't a big thing. That wasn't this, like, we have to have this huge conversation or someone's going to look at me weird or anything like that. Um, Right. Yeah, so I just thought that whole process for him of, like, kind of coming to terms with it himself and being able to share that with another person was really beautiful. I also, like, I thought him and Kennedy were, like, going to get together. I, that would have been fun. But he, I, I, Kennedy mentioned he had a girlfriend or something. Oh, did he? I don't remember. I, I just yeah. remember being like, oh, yes, fun. Good for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I found it really heartbreaking in Behind You when Ellie is, like, having all of these nightmares about Maya. And her parents are like, you Why need to you get over, over it. it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. What kind of heartless bitches? <laughs> <laughs> tell you to get over like, <sighs> the death of a par- even when you're that young you yeah. know death is still death like 
the finality of it all is crushing <laughs> no matter how old you are um and grief has its courses mm-hmm. and i think like I, first of all i just hate ellie's mom for a variety of reasons mm-hmm. but like when she just kept saying like get over it or whatever i was getting extremely angry and i really appreciated when ellie uh suggests like family therapy because they're like i think it's time you for you to talk to someone like you're not okay and she's like how about we go to family therapy like this isn't just me that's messed up you know right because about how you know she wants to talk about how she was too scared to bring her black boyfriend home to her parents who claim not to be racist you know right Right. that was like a line that she used and it's like yeah Mm -hmm. maybe she's just grieving normally and you're being the the way that they were regarding his death almost was more like it didn't really matter that much and also the fact like she mentioned she had been hanging out with carlton and they were kind of like why are you dating him yeah now now him and her dad even said something like there are plenty of boys around here that are more appropriate and she goes you mean white like just like you're literally saying there are white boys around here. Right. I would prefer you to be with a white boy. Um, yeah. I So I really liked about like the process of grief and stuff. We kind of get an insight into Kennedy later on when we find out his dad had died pretty young. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to visit his dad's grave with his mom every Sunday after yeah. church. And so we kind of understand that he too is like kind of familiar with the grieving process and so when ellie and him like first talk on the steps of percy Mm -hmm. and when he's leaving he kind of tells her to like take all the time you need there's no time frame for this it's okay and then you you get um jeremiah because you have his perspective like him Mm -hmm. watching all of this throughout throughout the book and he Oh, I think it, maybe it was like Jeremiah said something like, thanks, like, thank you for that, Kennedy. Like, thank you for telling her that it's okay. Um, I don't know. Every time Jeremiah was like watching one of his loved ones like in pain, I started crying. And it was just yeah. like, I think in the beginning too, or like anytime he would say like my Ellie or something like uh, that, I was uh-huh. just like tears. <laughs> Yeah, this this one hurt. Like, it, yeah, it, especially you know we we see Jeremiah throughout as like this omnipresent mm-hmm. spirit, and his purpose we realize is he needs to start telling the people he's left behind that they are loved. Yes, because he feels like this is this is the thing that he was doing when he was alive, and now that he has died, they need a reminder that they are loved and so you see him sometimes come in forms of sunlight and in wind right uh and it's usually when he's having these moments where he's saying you are loved to someone yeah um and so each person has their little moment with him towards the Mm -hmm. end where he's finished saying you know you're loved and ellie gets the last one oh i'm gonna start Uh, crying again i know (laughs) so ellie goes back to the spot in central park where jeremiah died and uh, i was killed and Jeremiah, even, like, because we also get his grandma's perspective in, oh, like, yeah, the afterlife yeah. and stuff. And she said at some point, like, he never says died. He says fell, where he mm-hmm. fell. And so that was the part where, or the, the place, obviously, where he was murdered by cops. But he always said that's where he fell. Yes. And so Ellie goes there for the first time. It was, like, the first time she could was, um, like, it was after the one year mark. Right. Right. Yeah. And she's standing there and like the wind around her starts to stir. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, there's this moment where Jeremiah tells Ellie, you know, Ellie, you are so loved. My Ellie. Uh, um, and then I was he, crying. Yeah. <laughs> and then he proceeds to walk off into his it like kind of closure over. Yeah, yeah. He's had his closure. This is his last his last stop, basically. Um and I just, it just hurt it. <laughs> like, it just, oh, uh, the, clo- but I felt like we needed that closure. I think, like, going three years 
four years after having read the this, first book, it was really nice to know that there was like closure at the end of it. Like <laughs> it was just such in like even for me, it's only been like a year since I read this, but it was an open wound the whole time and it was every time I thought of it it was just like pain and I'm literally like crying right now because <laughs> I like because I literally I just finished behind you so I just read that like final scene like yeah. an hour ago and it I like that pain's still really fresh because it's really beautiful <laughs> but oh. it's just oh it's so sad it's so sad but I really appreciated the way that Jacqueline Woodson wrapped it up I'm glad we got to yes. see because a lot of times when there's a death at the end of a book, at least like, not recently, now I feel like we get more closure from authors, but in past books, like I'll use The Fault in Our Stars as an example, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much like the death is at the end, the death happens, there's slight closure, and then the book ends. Yeah. It's like that shock, that pain factor that's yeah. supposed to put the book on the like top list, you know, because right. it's like it just makes you feel so much pain. And so I also am very glad that I got this closure um, because it's like I got the pain and then which was like really, really deep, sad pain. But then I also got the beautiful closure pain Pain. of like, (laughs) yeah, it was still pain, but it was in like a a different. Exactly. Um, It kind of like made it whole. So Mm -hmm. it's like it wasn't this like cracked in half pain. It was like, okay, now it's like amended kind of pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, did you have a, a favorite line? Um, so I don't have my If You Come Softly book, but I mm-hmm. do, which is frustrating because I know I had um, some marked things in there. So, but I do have one from Behind You. But do you want to share any that you have from uh, If You Come Softly? I was hoping you were going to go first. Um, uh, yeah, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah. So there's a line in the begin or like the middle of If You Come Softly where we see more of the progression between Ellie and Jeremiah's relationship. And uh, Ellie's describing um, when Anne used to talk about being in love, she said it felt like someone wrapping you inside of them. And that's what I felt like now. Like slowly I was being wrapped inside of Maya, inside mm-hmm. his eyes, inside his voice, inside the way he talked about things. Like... <laughs> pain um, yeah like even honestly the way that Jacqueline Woodson just writes about their love too and describes uh-huh, uh-huh. their love yeah even that makes me cry like yeah. I don't know like the pure uh, just like how intense it is is just heartbreaking in so a sense there's another line right after they have their first kiss mm-hmm. which is a beautiful scene in Central Park by the way mm-hmm. um Upstairs alone in his room, Jeremiah lay back on his bed and stared up at the ceiling. I kissed her. I kissed Ellie. Alicia Sidney Eisen. He wanted to scream, to run his to his window, throw it open, and yell it to the world. Right there in Central Park with the sun coming through the leaves and everything around all right. Everything all right. Like, oh, pain, 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 pain. I wish they had more time. <laughs> I, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I think too is like his death kind of at like a peak in their relationship of like yeah I'm finally gonna meet the family I'm because like this is becoming more real to the world around us and ah uh, yeah my and, last one from if you come softly is right after uh, uh yeah right after Jeremiah dies and it's like mm. the, the it's towards the extreme end. Um, I think only once in your life do you find someone that you say, hey, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my time on this earth with. And if you miss it or walk away from it or even maybe blink, it's gone. And it's like, okay, pain, pain, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have from behind you? So this one, it's not necessarily beautiful or Mm -hmm. lyrical in any way, but I, um, it was when they were talking about, uh, so Ellie went to visit Nelia uh-huh. and she said something about like, oh yeah, I know like, no, what was his dad's name? The ex Nelson? I don't remember. Um, I forget. But he left you. Like she pretty much just says like, and it came out before I had time to think like, oh, he left you. And Nelia frowned. Your life gets away from you. She said, the older you get, the less of it you own. 
And um, because she was kind of like, yeah, like once the information is out there and like, I never told you that, but Maya told you that. And it just, I don't like that just kind of made me think. And it was like, the older you get, the less of it you own. And the more of it kind of belongs to the people around you. And I, I don't know, that really was thought provoking for me. So I highlighted that one. I have one where Carlton is reflecting on his friendship with Maya and also his sexuality. Mm-hmm. And he's reflecting on a time that him and Maya were talking. Mm-hmm. And my it says, take some inventory, man. Maya said to the guy, everything in the world's just a little bit deeper than you see it. I almost highlighted that one. I also really yes. liked that. Uh, oh, that was, um, he wasn't talking to Carlton. It was somebody some was guy... talking to him about like you hanging with sissies or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And all he says, all Maya says to him is like, and that guy didn't say anything. He didn't have mm-hmm. anything to respond and just walked away. And like Maya was just wiser than his years, honestly. And yeah. Oh, truly. Yeah. I-, I have one more, uh, from behind you. Uh, it's when Carlton and Ellie are talking, um, for one of the first times and Ellie is telling Carlton about her conversation with Kennedy, Mm -hmm. um, quote, you know, Ellie said softly, I feel like the world stopped and I got off and then it started spinning again, but too fast for me to hop back on. Yeah. I feel like I'm still trying to get a, to get some kind of foothold on living. Yeah. It's like, okay. Well, now I'm depressed. Um, yeah, <laughs> but that's what grief feels like, and I think that Jacqueline Woodson did a good job of showing us like grief comes in different ways and it flows in different ways, and you know it's it's different for everybody. And healing from it is not linear in any way, right. and you know you kind of see with like months later, Ellie's still having the nightmares, and yeah. she still has straight A's in school. She's studying and stuff like so. It's it's not always what you expect and someone can be struggling with it and still be seemingly like doing well in other ways and stuff. And yeah, it's just, did you have a song? Um, no, I had two. I had two. Oh my God. How I know. Okay, okay. So for, if you come softly, um, they're both Taylor Swift yeah, songs. I, knew it. I was just about to say, please tell me they're Taylor Swift. <laughs> for, for if you come softly, I have right where you left me. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that yeah. suits that, right? Uh-huh. This is a, these are very evermore books in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um but for behind you I did Cardigan. Oh, okay. Cuz I and I think they both, you know, like the uh, if you come softly like I stayed there dust collected, like that yeah. that feels like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I just feel like these are very Taylor Swift books. <laughs> I feel like I think there's like a trend on book talk too where you can put a tailor you can use her discography yeah. and you can find a song that'll <laughs> match any book out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I I just thought those two were, you know, especially um What did I say? Right where you, <laughs> especially, yeah. especially right where you left me. I feel like yeah. that one really is sad and yeah. fits, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, let's rate. What did okay. you think? Do you want to um, rate independently or? I think I want to put them together. together. Okay, fair. I'm just going to give a five stars for the yeah, whole. Me too. Like <laughs> the story itself. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I think that this is one of those stories that everybody should read. Yeah. Um, and I think that they could be like modern classics, you know? Yes. I feel like, that way about this book. How about let's story. read these instead of Romeo and Juliet? Right? This is basically <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> it is. It's a Romeo and Ju- Juliet retelling. We should read Romeo and Juliet and then have them read these after and pick out the similarities. Mm. Mm. English teacher brain coming hey, out. Because hey, hey. how can you call it a Romeo and Juliet retelling for them if they haven't read Romeo? And everyone, <laughs> okay, but everyone knows the story roughly. I guarantee. <laughs> There are kids people who, who don't. don't. Yeah. yeah. I, if you asked my little brother, I think. <laughs> Dead. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but but I agree. I, I think teach these because these are good um, mm-hmm. and meaningful and deep and not written. Man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any final remarks? 
Um, maybe just that, like, besides the whole, like, I mean, oh, it was, okay, so I, right before we started recording, I looked up, because I was like, I kind of just want to go through a quick, like, summary of If You Come Softly, just in case I, like, forgot anything. Yeah. Um, and I looked up a review from someone who had picked it up, who has, like, a blog or something, and I guess he picked it up in a library, and he just sat down in the library in the summer of 2020. So it was, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> very timely um, yeah. book. And he just made a point of, like, the fact, like, this is 20 years later. And it reads like it could have taken place yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's, like, it is a very timeless story. And it can be, so, yeah, I think that's that's it. And, like you said, modern classic um God, 24 years ago? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to be we turned 24, 24 this year? year? <laughs> Both oh. of us having the realization. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't like it. Nope. Me immediately. Um, that means in two more years, I'm going to be off my parents' health insurance. What am I going to do then? <laughs> 26 is the doomsday for... Ditto. Yeah. Isn't it? Is it not twenty five? Why did I think it was twenty five? No, it's twenty six. So you just gave me another year. Thanks. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> we can almost uh, rent a car without a car without a fee. Oh wow! How exciting! Yeah. Let me tell you, you have, those fees you are have, steep. Yeah, you have one year of bliss of twenty five where you can rent a car without a fee <laughs> before you lose health insurance. <laughs> It goes up, <laughs> up a little bit, and then it comes crashing down. Back down. Yep. yep. Well, and if, isn't that life? Um, yep. Okay. I think that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. Before we part, we'd just like to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to leave a review on whichever platform you're listening on, if applicable. If you have any further questions regarding topics discussed throughout the episode, feel free to join our Hardcover Hose Discord server via the link in the show notes, or send us an email at hardcoverhosepod at gmail.com. Feel free to recommend books to cover in future episodes as well. As always, I am Sam Dixon. I'm Sammy Scorstead. And this has been an episode of Hardcover Hose. If you enjoyed this listening experience and you'd like to follow along with us next time, the next book on our to-be-read list is The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. Until we meet again, enjoy your reading.